Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Cap Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. Welcome back to Field Notes. I'm Dave Mason, and before we join our Marines in the Bible study this week, uh, I wanted to take just a couple minutes to tell you about what's happening here at the Military Fellowship Center. We are in the midst of a building project. We're waiting on uh, permits and a uh, contractor, and we are going to build a 500-square-foot addition that will connect our two buildings and give us a lot more space, which we desperately need. Uh, we are experiencing incredible growth here at the center. Um, we have hit over 30 on Friday nights on occasion. We had a Tuesday a few weeks ago where we hit 27 on a Tuesday night. We cooked six pounds of pasta, nine pounds of meatballs, more more salad than you can count, 40-plus rolls. It's just been incredible, and uh, the word's getting out. We're no longer the best-kept secret in town. Uh, Marines and sailors are coming to us every single week and hearing the Word of God, getting a good home-cooked meal, and we're thankful to God for the opportunity to do this. So keep us in prayer for the building project. Keep us in prayer with the growth that we're experiencing, and uh, it's just been an incredible thing. Also, you'll notice during the lessons in the next few podcasts that uh, we mention the reading plan. Um, we had started a January 1st, 2019, we started a reading plan to go through the entire New Testament in 90 days. And our Marines have really taken hold of this. And sometimes you'll hear me reference the reading for this week. And so each week as the Marines read, I bring a lesson out of what they've been reading for that week. So uh, this podcast is out of Luke chapter 7 and the woman with the alabaster box. So you can find that passage in your Bibles and join us as we enter into the Bible study at the Military Fellowship Center. Thank you and God bless. Tonight we're going to look at Luke chapter 7, and uh, we're going to look at the, the story of the woman with the alabaster box. We're going to pick up in chapter 7, verse 36. Uh, Jesus goes into a Pharisee's house. So Luke chapter 7, verse 36, let's read. It says, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went down into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner... When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping. So she's sort of at, she's on the ground at his side towards the back of him, but reaching around and touching his feet and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spoke within himself. He thought... This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. He kind of pulls him aside and says, Simon, come here. i got to tell you something. And he said, Master, say on. So Jesus teaches this man a lesson with a parable. There was a certain creditor, verse 41, a certain creditor which had two debtors, and the one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. He just simply forgave both of them. 
Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the most? One owed 500, one owed 50. Which one will love him the most? Verse 43, Simon answered and said, I suppose he that, to whom he forgave the most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman. He turns away from Simon, turns to the woman, and starts speaking to Simon as he's looking at the woman. Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou did not anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at me with him began to say with themselves, who is this that forgives sins also? And he said to the woman, thy faith have saved thee. Go in peace. Lord, thank you for the night and everybody that's here. Help us to understand this story in Jesus' name. Amen. So the woman with the alabaster box, this is a famous story uh, in the Bible. And, and just to give you some kind of context to this story, the Pharisee had invited Jesus to a banquet. And in these days, when this was occurring, there was a, a tradition in these banquets that the banquets were always open. Now, only people who were invited could sit at the table and eat. But other people were allowed to come in and out. It was kind of an open-door thing. And other people, outsiders, would come in and listen in on the conversations the important people were having. This was sort of like eavesdropping, <clears throat> television for the day. Let's watch somebody else's life. They would just kind of sit and watch. And, you know, so it wasn't unusual to have other people in. There was, you know, sometimes I, you know, before I studied that, I was, sometimes I thought, why, they, why was this woman kicked out? You know, she was obvious, obviously wasn't invited to the feast. She's a sinner. No Pharisee's going to have a woman of ill repute come to his house. But the, the, the tradition at that time was to keep the house open during a banquet. But here's the thing about this woman and this rabbi, this Pharisee, Simon. Rabbis never, and to this day, some in the Hasidic tradition still do not, talk to women in public. The only woman they will talk to is their wife and then only behind the closed doors of their house. They only talk to men in public. That's just their, that is one of their ways of guarding themselves. Guarding themselves against, you know, uh, any kind of accusation. You know, when I was a pastor, I had a policy um, that I would never ride in a car with a woman who was not my wife, alone. You know, so I, you know, I would not, I just would not, you know, it didn't matter how old or young. If it wasn't Patty, I would not ride alone in a car with another woman. That was just my policy. And it was so that no one could ever come against me and say, I saw you out with so-and-so, you know. And this is the kind of thing that the rabbis would do. They took it to an extreme. They wouldn't even talk to women in public. But you can understand, you know, the, the, the reasoning for it. But, again... They took what was a tradition and made it into a law. And one thing we need to say, so that's, that's about Simon, but we need to say this about this woman. We don't know this woman's name. This is not Mary of Bethany. 
in John 12, 1 through 8, Mary of Bethany, before the passion, before, the, before he was betrayed, a couple days before, she came in and anointed his feet with oil and wept. This is not the same person, and this is not Mary Magdalene. There's uh, some reason Mary Magdalene, every time a woman of ill repute is mentioned in the Bible, Mary Magdalene is supposed to be that woman. Although there's absolutely no evidence in the Bible whatsoever that Mary Magdalene was anything but an upstanding woman who unfortunately was a sinner who had a demon in her and Jesus cast the demon out. There's no indication at all that Mary Magdalene was a, was a prostitute or anything of that nature. Nothing in scripture says that about her anyway at all. But So this is an unnamed woman. What we need to keep in mind is what's good about reading through the Bible like this is that um, you, you start seeing these stories in, in order. And if you get what's called a harmony of the Gospels, some of your study Bibles will have that at the beginning of the New Testament or at the end. Um, you can get harmonies of the Gospel of the Gospels you know, on CBD or Lifeway.com or whatever. And a harmony of the Gospel will show you that just before this banquet was Matthew 11. And you read that uh, the first Friday of the year. You read Matthew 11. And in Matthew 11, Jesus says this. Hold on, let me get there. Um, he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest to your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When he finished saying that, the Pharisee invited him into his home. What verses was that? That's Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. So I'm, I'm imagining that this woman was outside in the public square as Jesus was preaching this. And she heard this. Come to me if you're heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, because my yoke is light. Right? My burden's easy. I'll, I'll, I'll give you rest to your souls. I think that this woman maybe accepted that gift that Jesus was offering right there. I think maybe she gave her heart to him at that moment. I think perhaps this woman who's kneeling at the feet of Jesus is already saved. And now she, she's heard the word of God. She's accepted it. She's experiencing joy unspeakable, full of glory. She goes and gets a, pays, spells every cent she has and buys this expensive box of ointment, this alabaster box of ointment, and goes in and kneels at the master's feet, breaks the box over his feet, anoints his feet with tears and this ointment, and wipes his feet with her hair and kisses them. This is a thank you. This is a religious act that's done in thanksgiving, not as an attempt to gain salvation, not as an attempt to gain righteousness, not as an attempt to show how pious she is, but rather in response to what Christ has done in her life. And that's really the, the point, you know. Um, I'll get to that in a second. I don't, don't want to get past this. Still got to get these character sketches done. Simon, the Pharisee, sees this woman kneel at the, at the master's feet. And quite frankly, he's embarrassed. This is his feast. And now this woman's there and she's touching the feet of Jesus. And Jesus is supposed to be a teacher of the law. He's a rabbi. He's a, he's a, you know, he's a religious man. He's a righteous man. And he's thinking to himself, if he, this man can't be a prophet. Because if he was a prophet, he'd know what this woman was. Jesus, of course, is more than a prophet. He's God in the flesh. And he hears Simon's thoughts. He knows everything. You do, you do know that Jesus hears your thoughts. Correct? He doesn't just hear the words you speak. He hears the thoughts you think. He sees the pictures in your mind. 
that you have in your mind. All of it. It's an open book. I'm not trying to scare you. Well, yeah, I am. But he does. He sees it all. And he hears Simon's thoughts. You know, it's easy for Simon to say this woman's a sinner. What's hard for Simon to say is, I'm a sinner. It's easy for us to point a finger at someone. It's hard to remember that there's three fingers pointing back at us when we do that. Right? Easy to show someone their sin. It's hard to admit it in our own lives. It's easy to see that speck in your brother's eye. Hard to see the two before sticking out of yours. Right? This parable that Jesus is about to say to Simon about the man who has a creditor, uh, the, the creditor who has two men owe him, it's not so much about the amount of sin that's forgiven. That's what Simon thinks. Who's going to love him more? The one that had the $500 forgiven, not the one at 50 right? He's going to love me more. That's true, but it's not about the amount of sin forgiven. It's about the awareness of sin in their lives. See, Jesus says, you know, those who are forgiven more will love him more, right? For to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. You know who causes the most trouble in church? Church people. Sinners don't cause a whole lot of trouble in church. They just sit in the back with their hands clo- their hands folded and their laughs and their heads bowed and just hoping for the grace of God. It's the righteous that cause all the trouble. Right? I see some of y'all shaking your heads. You know this is true. We got a lot of Pharisees in the church today, right? Just like we've had for the last 2,000 years. And it's real easy for us to point out someone else's sin. It's real hard to admit that we have sin in our lives. We don't want to admit to it. The person who grows up in a Christian home with Christian values, who's always in church from the age of two, who's always been there, who's always there, they don't have as much of a testimony, right? And it's really a dangerous place to be sometimes for some of us because we've never, we've never, we haven't been forgiven for much. We don't really experience the grace of God the way someone who's been in sin and experienced a radical change in their life experienced it. That's not to say that we're supposed to go out and sin greatly so this grace may abound. Romans chapter 6 tells us don't do that. But we need to recognize that. <clears throat> and for those of us who have been blessed to grow up in Christian homes and to have always been around the faith, we need to remind ourselves on a daily basis we're not better than anyone else. We're no better. Right? This woman was aware of her sin. Simon wasn't. Her sins were public. Simon's were private. Simon was as spiritually bankrupt as this woman, but he didn't know it. Verse 41 and 42, Jesus gives this parable. And he says, forgiveness is given equally. The greatest sinner and the obvious saint both get forgiven the same way. And it's the same effect. But the one who was a great sinner has a greater sense of obligation to the master. And so those of us who don't have as much to be forgiven, we need to remind ourselves, we need to look at stories like this and remind ourselves, hey, just because we haven't had a lot forgiven doesn't mean we should love the Lord even less, any less, right? 
it's sometimes it's more dangerous to be in the in the in the company of good folk. I remember one time we were looking at a church building up in Maryland. <clears throat> there was a church that we had heard was going to be for sale. We went and spoke to the pastor of the church. Turned out it wasn't for sale. And uh, we were talking about the ministry and everything. The guy had a fairly dynamic ministry. Um, but he said he had tons of turnover. He's like, he says, I always have the same amount of people. He says, but I don't ever have the same people. He says, I'll, I'll, he says, I might have three people here who have been here three years. The rest of them are all gone. He says, I just keep bringing new people in. He's like, why is that? He says, I just love sinners. He says, and the saints can't stand it. He says, so I bring in all these drunkards and drug addicts and prostitutes, and the church people get all upset and they leave. He says, I raise the church, the drunks and the prostitutes and the drug addicts up, and they become church people, and I bring in more, and then they can't stand it, and they leave. <laughs> you know? We need to remind ourselves to whom much is forgiven, right? Much is due. And we need to, we need to keep that in mind. This woman might have had a reputation, but Simon was betraying his reputation as a great man by being an ungracious host. What did Jesus say to this man? He says, I entered in your house and you didn't wash my feet. That was a tradition. You enter into someone's house, they offer you water, they have their servants come and wash your feet because the streets are dusty, everybody's wearing sandals. Right? So your feet get washed when you come into a house. Simon, you didn't offer me any water for my feet. I came in your house, you didn't kiss me. This was a tradition. You greeted your guests with a kiss. You didn't kiss me. This woman, she's been kissing my feet ever since I walked in. Simon, I walked in your house, you didn't offer me any oil for my head. This was another tradition. Oil for the head. Anoint the head. It's a sign, it's a sign of blessing in the house. But this woman, she's been anointing my feet. So I'm telling you, verse 47, I'm telling you, Simon, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. So he's just pointing it right at Simon, saying, you don't love me. You don't love me like her. You, you, you're, you're, you, in your heart, you think, this is terrible, this woman's touching my feet. I'm telling you, this woman loves me more than you ever will. And that's to your shame. That's to your shame. I think actually Simon was just checking out Jesus. He was investigating him, and he didn't want to sully himself with Jesus if he didn't check out. That's why he didn't offer him oil or water or a kiss. I think he was being pragmatic, and sometimes pragmatism is the greatest enemy of faith. Sometimes we just got to put ourselves out there and let ourselves get hurt. Let our reputations get ruined. <clears throat> So we can reach people with the gospel. What did Paul say? I've become all things to all men, so that by all means some might be saved. Sometimes what we got to do is just let ourselves risk risk our reputation being ruined, so we can help somebody. I think I told the story before. I had that guy had a guy call me at three o'clock in the morning. Been in my church once, and three months later he calls me at three in the morning. He's in Towson, high as a kite. It's like forty miles from my house. He's in front of a 7-Eleven, and he can't get home. I was like, I'll be right there. Don't you move. So I got up, told her. We got in the, I got in my truck, drove down to Towson, found him at the 7-Eleven. He's just completely stoned. And he's got a buddy there. And his buddy's stoned. And he's like, he can't get home either. I was like, where do you live? And he told me. He's like, that's right down the street here, right? And he goes, yeah. I like, get in my truck. So I put both these guys in my truck. 
at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, and I'm <laughs> driving through Baltimore County, and a patrol car does a Yui behind me and gets up behind me. Because he sees three guys in a truck at 3.45 in the morning on a deserted street. And as soon as that happened, now I, I'm only two, three years out of being in the Sheriff's Department since I retired. And I'm thinking, yeah, you didn't think this through, did you, Dave? Both those guys probably got something on them. And if it's on them, it's in the truck, you're going to jail too. Thankfully, he ran my tags, nothing came of it, so he pulled away. He couldn't pull me over, he had no probable cause. I pulled up, dropped that guy off, took this the guy I originally went to, get, took him and took him down to the Double T Diner and sat him there for three hours, pumped coffee and apple pie in him until he sobered up. And then I took him home. Then I went home and crashed. But you know, I almost, I almost ruined my name trying to help this kid out. And you know, I never saw him again. Never saw him again. I don't know whatever happened to him. That's okay. Sometimes you gotta put yourself out there. Simon wasn't willing to. Make sure you are. Now, a couple things I want to say before we finish this up to remember. Number one, this woman's love for Jesus didn't save her. Okay, we can, we can fall into that because you look at verse 47. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. And then people will look at that and go, oh, see, as long as you love Jesus, you're okay. That's not what he says saves her, though. Look down at verse 50. He says to her directly, thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Faith is the vehicle through which grace travels. You know, when you get a vaccine, only a little tiny amount of that fluid going in your body is the vaccine. The rest is the vehicle, right? There's a solution that the, that the vaccine's sitting in, and that solution carries the, the, the vaccine to wherever it needs to go in the body. That's the vehicle that carries that, that life-saving medicine. Faith is the vehicle that grace travels in. Your faith in Christ allows God to bring grace into your life. And grace is love that pays a price. And the grace of God paid an awful price on Calvary in that his son had to die for us. So her works didn't save her. Crying, rubbing his feet with her hair and her tears and the ointment, that didn't save her. They were manifestations of the grace of God given to her. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you saved through faith that is not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So after we're saved, we do good things, we do good works because we're saved. We don't do the good works hoping to get saved. Keep that in mind. Don't think I'm a good enough person. The minute you think I'm a good enough person, you're going straight to hell. I'm just telling you. I'm a good enough person will not get you into heaven. Because nobody's good enough. Romans chapter 3, chapter 6, chapter 5, chapter 10, no one's good enough. John chapter 3, nobody's good enough. We're all sinners come short of the glory of God, right? Every one of us. You know, we've all fallen short of the mark. Just fallen short of the mark. <clears throat> you know, in the old days in England with the archery tournaments, like Robin Hood style archery tournaments, they'd have a guy all the way down at the end who would call out the, 
the shots, you know, because everybody they be shooting from 70, 80 yards away sometimes, and so they, he would call out if it was a bullseye, if it was high, or what, but if it was directly below the bullseye, but low, you know what he would call out? Sin. Sin. That meant it fell short of the mark. It didn't make it to the mark. And that's where all of us are. We can try all we want. We can do all we can. We can do every work we want to do. But we all have sinned. We've all fallen short of the bullseye. We're not going to make it. Not on our own. Salvation is the greatest miracle in all the Bible because it had the greatest cost. The cost of Christ on the cross. Amen? And we need to remember the price of that and remember why we do what we do and what we owe for what we've given, been given. Amen? Questions, comments, observations? I already had a couple questions in the middle of this. That was good. Y'all can always interrupt me too while I'm teaching. So don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Ask away. Uh, I just wanted to say, um, I think I think this girl, it's not like like people would look at that and see like you know that she's being kind of like weird. I guess mm -hmm. like socially awkward. I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I think she's really just in awe. I think she's at the point where she's like, you know, I really don't deserve what I've been given. And, uh, like, she knows. Like, I think sometimes we get, like, a spiritual big head where we think, like, we deserve the grace of God. and um, But she knows, like, she definitely doesn't deserve it. And, uh, like, even with Jesus knowing exactly where she's been, like, yeah. she, she still gets it, like... Anybody can get saved. Nobody's too far gone. There's a, a saying, uh, if you listen to Caleb on the radio, they've been saying, uh, like, every language has hard words to say. Like, in English, like, Worcestershire sauce. He, he says, I'm not even sure if I'm saying it right. Right. Uh, in, in German, it's squirrel. They would, it was such a hard word to say that they would use it to point out spies back in, like, the Cold War or, or like, whatever. And uh, uh, but he said uh, the hardest the hardest words to say in any language is I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. That kind of goes along with your mm -hmm. pointing out your own sin. Yeah. Yeah. It's very difficult to admit that we're wrong. Mm -hmm. Very difficult to admit to one person or to the whole congregation that we have fallen short. In haven't been the person we pretend to be. There's always two people in our lives, right? The guy we are in front of everybody, and the guy we are, we are in front of ourselves. We're all by ourselves, right? Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.